Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. Standing cold and scared on top of a blue hill Came one moment where I lost my will I prayed for mercy, please Lord take me away Give me sunshine while I only see gray The past had a hold on me that can't be denied And the changes
<laughs> Woo! I love our band. I love our whole tribe, as, uh, as Mary says. Let's give our, all of ourselves a hand, too. Woo! Trying to keep it hyped up, Lord. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man, man, man. I'm in an exciting space. Oh, man. Uh, let's see, let's see. Let's start off with a cute little joke. Okay, I do have one. All righty. So there was this couple. They were, had been married for 60 years, and they were kicking back in the backyard, watching the sun go down on their beach. The, the, the backyard was their beach, and they're just relaxing. And so the wife gets a little romantic, and she says, you know, I remember the time when you used to hold my hand all the time. He was like, oh, so he took her hand, and he was holding her hand. And she said, I even remember the time when you used to kiss me a lot. And he leans over and gives her a little kiss, a little smoochy smooch. And then she says, and you know what? I remember the time you used to nibble on my ear. And he get up, got up and walked away. <laughs> she said, wait, hold on, where you going? What's going on? He said, I'm going to get my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope he still has his teeth. <laughs> oh, man, but I hope so. Yes. Oh, man, that is so funny. I thought that was so cute. Oh, man. So this month, we have been, we have been discussing release and let go. And we've been discussing that because in unity, November represents renunciation. And renunciation is our power to release, to denounce, to remove, and to let go. And so we've been talking about different layers of things that we need to let go of in order to step into our, great, our highest good or step into our greatness. And so in the beginning of this, this uh, discussion, we started off by talking about letting go of limited mindsets. And we discussed how limited mindsets can keep us stuck. And then last week, we talked about releasing toxic emotions. And when we talked about releasing toxic emotions, we came to the conclusion that we decide what we're feeling, that any toxic emotions that we may be feeling, we are choosing them. So nobody can make you upset. Nobody can make you resentful. Nobody can make you feel low self-esteem. Nobody can make you feel that. We choose to feel that way. We choose to feel that way. It's a choice. And no matter how many years you've been feeling that way, it's been a choice. Today, as we conclude our series, I want to discuss let go, letting go of sabotaging behavior. And this is important because what we are thinking, our mindset and our emotions cause sabotaging behaviors. It really does. It causes sabotaging behaviors. So the scriptures that I want to use today, there's a couple of them that I want to use today. And the first one comes from Romans. And I do want you guys to study these. I have them that we can um, read them together. But I want you guys to really look through this, especially if, you, if, you, if you'd like to study with me. I'm studying Romans, so you can read Romans. So the first scriptures come from Romans, is chapter 7, verses 15 and 16. 
And it reads, I don't really understand myself or I want to do what is right, but I, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You ever have those moments where you're trying to do the best thing or trying to do the right thing, you end up doing something else or you end up doing something you really didn't want to do or saying something that you didn't really want to say? Well, this is what Paul is saying. And that can be a form of a sabotaging behavior. Then he goes on to say, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows, us, shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does this. I want to I really unpack this. Because a lot of our self-sabotaging behavior, as we were talking about the things that we think about ourselves, the things that we believe about ourselves, they aren't really beliefs that came from us. So when it says here, it is sin living in me that does it. Sin is when you miss the mark. Sin is when you're behaving, thinking, feeling, and speaking in a way that's opposite of who you truly are, opposite of the Christ that dwells within you, opposite of the truth and the love that you are. Anything that is unloving in your behavior, in your thinking, in your beliefs, and in your actions is a form of sin. Because you, when you've sent it out there, it missed the mark of expressing heaven on earth, expressing the truth, expressing love, which is who you are, right? But if you look at the core values, the core beliefs that cause us to do and say those things that sabotage us, they're beliefs that we've adopted from somebody else. And when we act on that, it is that, the sin that is living in us, that is doing it. We're living according to these false beliefs, these error beliefs that we've adopted that aren't even ours. So when Paul is saying here, you know, I'm trying to do this thing and I end up doing the wrong thing. I know what's right, but I still do those things that are not right, that are wrong. And I know what is good because we all do know what is good. And the way we know that what is good is because when we do those things that are not in our mind, not good, we tend to have this shameful feeling, this shameful behavior, this shameful thinking on ourselves. It's like we tend to punish ourselves. We don't need someone else to punish us because we do it ourselves. And then those moments where we try to push ourselves and go forward, we remember the things that are bad about us, and it blocks us. Let me give you an example. I was listening to, um, what is her name? Lane Beachley is her name. And she is a seventh, she's a seven-time world winner surfer. She's won, actually, she won six times straight, and then she won another time. So seven times, right? And so she was talking about how she, she was doing a TED Talk, and I like watching the TED Talks because they're kind of deep. And she was talking about how when she was four years old was when she started surfing. She's out there on the little surfboard, you know, and then she showed a picture of her, right? And she was over by the harbor, so when the, coat, the boats would come in, the little waves would come in, she'd surf on those little waves and enjoy herself, right? And by the time she got eight years old, she was really good, and she knew what she wanted to do. But then she found out that she was adopted. And that crushed her. Because she started having these thoughts in her mind that she was worthless, and because she was worthless, her mother rejected her and abandoned her. 
And not only did her mother reject her and abandon her, she, had, she was loveless. There was nothing inside of her that was worthy of love. She, had, she was having those feelings, and that became one of her core beliefs about herself. And at that point, she decided that she would be, the, uh, she would be a World Cup winner on everything. Because if she could be the best, those who win, those who win the gold medal have to be lovable. Because they won. They have to, they prove to the world that they are worthy of love. So her life was generated towards that. And, the, and when she got older and she started practicing and she put everything in it, she would also look at herself. She said at 16, she looked at herself and she noticed, she started thinking of herself as being fat. You know, you compare yourself to what they show in these magazines and everything and you think you're fat. And so she said, well, okay, she thought she was fat, but and then every time she'd win some type of competition, she'd reward herself by having cheesecake and apple pie, <laughs> which sabotaged her exercise and three and four day, um, times of surfing to lose the weight. She was sabotaging her goal to lose the weight. And so how many times do we do that kind of behavior? We set out to lose weight or we set out to do something. We, we, we set out to be on time. We set out to, my, my, I have someone who um, wants to do notes. She's a psychologist and she wants to do her notes on a regular basis. And she gets to the point where she does. She'll start on her and have a routine and have a routine. And somehow something happens and then she stops. And you know, when you're a psychologist and you have your own practice, you get paid for when you turn in your notes from the, from the um, sessions that you have with your clients. And on a regular basis, the money started coming in, she was getting to her goal, and then when she started getting close to her goal, un unconsciously she stopped the behavior and then started getting behind again on her money. And her goal was to have the fluid finances coming in. Or someone who's having a, 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 who realizes, I heard about this lady who was very professional at her job and she had a, she was a housewife, not a housewife, but she had a husband and kids at home and she realized that she wasn't very satisfied with her life. So she decided to work on herself and lose the weight and she decided to go and start doing some self-improvement and looking at TED Talks and stuff like that to improve herself. And then she got to the point where she was realizing that even she didn't even like her job. She didn't even know if she liked her husband anymore. <laughs> and her kids were getting on her nerves, too. <laughs> and she's wondering, if I keep doing this, if I keep working on myself, then that means I may have to let go of this job that I'm unsatisfied with. And it may mean that I have to let go of the friends who don't really encourage me. And then I may have to let go of some family members as well. And then I may have to shift my relationship with how I am with my husband. Do I really want to sacrifice that? And subconsciously, she went back to the old behavior and gained the weight back and went back into that slump. How many times do we get right to the brink of what we really want, and then we stop for some reason, and we end up doing that which we didn't want to do, and we reverse from the things that we did want to do that we were doing. Self-sabotage. That sin is activated again, and we're living it again in our life. I was also hearing this other, I also saw this other, um, story about this guy, B.J. Davis, he's a psychologist. And he had been in 
prison a couple times. And the second time he was in prison, his ex-wife called him and told him that his mother, who was 77 years old, was in a hospital. She had had a heart attack. And he's sitting, this is the second week he was in, uh, in prison again, and he still had four years to go. And he's thinking, what am I doing in jail? And not in a place where I can be there for my mother. What did I do with my life? I set out to do something for my mother and, and, be, a better, and be the type of man that, he, she would be, uh, that she would be proud of. And I'm sitting here realizing that for 10 years I've smoked crack and done all of this stuff to escape from my life because it seemed too hard to live. And he said when he got, came to that realization, he, a seed of change was planted into his heart. And then when he got out, he went back to school so that he could get his master's degree in psychology. But there was a part of him that started, instead of doing the drugs, started asking for praise from other people. How many times do we shift from one addiction or one dysfunctional, dysfunctional behavior and move into another? That sin is living inside of us. Again. And it wasn't until he realized that until he could believe in himself, instead of living off of somebody else's belief in him, it wouldn't work for him. Does that make sense? Yeah. When you put your whole life into being something that someone else wants you to be. I realized when I was 40 years old, and someone, maybe I was, I was even 45 at the time because I was... Howard and I were together, and he asked me what did I want for my birthday, and I didn't even know what I would want to like, to, what like to do for my birthday because I had spent so much of my life focusing on other people and focusing on raising my kids and focusing on making sure everybody else was happy so that I could feel love because I told you the people pleaser in me wanted to make sure everybody was happy because if you were happy, then I was successful and I was worthy of love. How many of you have had those kinds of thoughts? That is one of the biggest things and ways that we search for love, for love is by getting the approval, of other, of the approval of others and by trying our best to satisfy and please other people. And then how many mothers end up getting to a place where their kids have moved out, and maybe fathers too, and they realize they don't even know who they are. I didn't know who I was. I knew I was a mother. I knew I was a daughter. I knew I helped counsel people. But I didn't know who Kelly was. I didn't even think I was pretty at the time. I didn't even think I was pretty. And how many of us are letting this sin live in us? So how do we shift this? How do we move out of our own way and stop self-sabotaging self and go forward into our bliss? I'm going to show you the next scripture. We're going to go into that scripture, and then that'll tell us. This one we know. The King James Version is the most popular one. Let's say this together. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, let me do it in the New Living Translation. I like this better. 
It says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And when I realized that what was blocking me from even moving into being a minister, has anybody had something that kept you from doing something you really wanted to do, some type of insecurity or something going on in your mind, stopped you from really stepping into what you really wanted to do? And you might have lived your life doing something or being in a job. I was in a job for 28 years as, a, as some type of management, uh, retail management, before I really decided I want to go ahead and step into being a minister. And when I was being a mini- going into to ministerial school back into 2007 to 2009, and I was almost there, I was doing really well, and I even had someone who was a church, Unity of Hollywood, was sponsoring me back then. So I didn't even have to pay for it. So I had manifested a way to pay for it. But I got scared, and I bowed out, and I didn't come back until 2014. I was gone for a while because I had felt like a failure, like a mess up, and how could God use me? And I'm looking at all these other ministers and how perfect they are until I realized God saying to me, I know, right? <laughs> that in your process lies my perfection. Meaning I don't have to be perfect to be an expression of God. I don't have to be perfect to hear God's voice and express God's voice to you all. As a matter of fact, in my lessons, that is my perfect expression of my talks for you guys because I use my my experience and I become an authority of what I am saying. How many times have you said to somebody, especially your kids, you know because you've been down that road before and you're trying to tell them and they're like, no, and you're like, I'm trying to tell you. All right, you want to bang your head against the wall, but I'm trying to save you some pain. Anybody? I know we got a lot of parents in here. Try to save them some pain, but they'd rather run into the wall, run into the wall. And you try to turn them around, but they want to go back and run into the wall, run into the wall. And then they come away. I think I was one of them, too. <laughs> I really was. I, was. I was stubborn. I really was. So, the way to release that sabotaging behavior is to allow your words, your mind, your thinking to be aligned with God. To, to bring, because God's thought, the Bible says that my ways are, are higher than your ways. This is God thinking, say, speaking. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's ways are higher than our ways because God knows the path that we are here to, to, to walk. Not only does God know the path that we're here to walk, God says that God's plan for our life is for good, for a future, and for hope. And not only is God's plan for our life for a future and a good, for hope, your very life is God's plan. Your very life is God's plan. And so, who better to consult on the matter? (laughs) I'm just asking, I'm just saying. We talk to each other, and they're just in the same boat as us. Talk about the blind leading the blind. <laughs> Do you have the ears to hear? Yeah, I'm hearing the same thing you're hearing. Do you have the eyes to see? Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing. But when you go inside and you conform your own thoughts, 
your own mind along with God's, and then you continue to do so, you can shift. So how do we let go of sabotaging behavior? I have some, oh, I like that. You see how I slung up? I'm practicing. <laughs> Sweet business. The first thing is to identify your sabotaging behaviors and habits. So you got to pay attention to your life. You have to become the observer of your life, the observer of the things that you're doing that's blocking you from moving forward. And you will know what it is because you're going to be repeating it over and over again and being in insanity trying to expect something different. That's one thing. The second way you'll know is because it will be something that's going on in your life that is very uncomfortable. You ever have somebody who calls you and you're like, oh, crap, I don't want to talk to them. Then you pick up the phone and talk to them. And then you get mad because they upset you. You picked up the phone to talk to them. Why are you mad at them when you picked up the phone to talk to them? I love caller ID. No, I don't want to talk to you right now. Click. And now you can even leave a message. I'll call you back later. Or I don't want to talk to you. Ever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I haven't used it yet. The, I want, I'm going to learn the message part, but I just hit the thing where the volume goes away and let it go to my message, you know. So you identify sabotaging behaviors. Has anybody identified any of your sabotaging behaviors already? Okay. I love that you're honest because that's the only way to move into a healing is when you're honest and authentic with yourself. God already knows. Okay, let's see if it'll do it again. I get it. I know. I get excited about little things when I can make it work. The next thing is to identify the beliefs that are driving those unhealthy or, or fear-based or error behaviors and habits. So what are you thinking and where do you remember? And the best way to figure it out is to remember when you, back the lab, the first time you started behaving in that manner. And also, when you try, when you're thinking about something you want to do, pay attention to the, thing, the beliefs that come up after you say what you want to do. What beliefs come up? You say you want to stop snacking so much. You say you want to be more authentic in a relationship. You say you want to go ahead and follow your dreams. You say you want to move into financial prosperity. You, you, you say you want to find out what your purpose is on, here on earth. What thoughts come after that? Because usually any thought like that, especially when it's connected to your self-worth and who you are as Christ consciousness, it will bring some type of doubt up, some type of unbelief up, some type of um, sabotaging thought or some type of self, what is it, degrading thoughts. I can't do that. I can't, I won't, I'm too this, I'm too that, anything like that. I know, too big, too small, too little, too you can think of any reason to not do it. So when you decide on what you want to do, whatever beliefs come up connected to that, that's connected to your sabotaging behavior. The next thing you do is deny the power of those beliefs because it has a power over you. It's living inside of you. It's a living vibration inside of you. Don't you know that your beliefs are a living vibration inside of you? And that's why when you think to do something, that belief automatically triggers 
this feeling inside of you that either propels you forward or holds you back. Does that make sense? And so when you deny the power of it, you're releasing the control that that sinful behavior, which is really missing the mark or error thinking, false thinking, evil thinking, is living the word evil backwards, so it's living backwards. So what you want to do is see in your life where you are seeing evil, speaking evil, and hearing evil. And that means anywhere where you're speaking backwards or falsely about yourself, you're hearing something falsely, but you ever said something to somebody and they say, well, so you think I'm a bad person, huh? You're like, that didn't even come out of my mouth. Where'd that come from? Or they say something to you, you say, what, you think I'm a bad person? And that didn't even come out of their mouth. You made the interpretation based off of your belief of what they're saying instead of hearing with the ears to hear. So you deny the power that those thoughts have over you or those beliefs have over you. Now, what unity principle is that connected to? The fourth. The fourth. Denials and affirmations. Prayer and meditation is how we align our mind with Christ, with the truth. And let's see. Come on. There we go. And then you start affirming and trusting the truth. Oprah Winfrey says that you do not manifest the things that you want. You manifest the things that you believe. You manifest the things that you believe. When you start to affirm the truth for your life and then trust what you are affirming, what happens is it fills in the place of what you just denied the power of that error thinking, that false thinking. Does that make sense? And you're going to hear me say this over and over and over and over again because we were born in a process of generation. We had all these hopes and imaginations and all these thoughts for ourselves. We were clean slaves with so much potential to walk into. And then when we adopted those error thinkings, those error beliefs, the false beliefs, we moved into degeneration. Charles Fillmore, who's the co-creator of Unity, says that the Bible represents the phases in consciousness. The Old Testament would be the the um what well, genesis how we were created is our genesis when you start to take on those false thinking and sabotaging behaviors and habits you move into degeneration and then when you shift your consciousness and use that fourth unity principle and start realigning with god to the point that you trust it to be so and that becomes your new belief which is the truth then you've moved into regeneration and your whole body, your whole consciousness becomes regenerated. Does it make sense? So we can stop banging our heads too. <laughs> and then the last step is to change your behavior. I heard someone say, just like the gospel of Nike, just do it. <laughs> I like that. You just do it. Why? Because when you do it, you create a new experience that moves you past your comfort zone. And the moment that you've moved yourself past your comfort zone, it has become an experience for you now. And it's part of an experience in your subconscious that you can now revisit and tap into. And the vibration from living it and moving into it opens you up to a higher vibration of the truth. And you end up doing the fifth unity principle, which is living the truth that you know. Does that make sense? That's why, like I told you last week, when I was sitting on that airplane, 
Quakering in my shoes, I pushed myself to go down that aisle. And Howard had been sitting out uh, where you know how you can only go so far with the person. And he was sitting out there. How long were you there? An hour? The first time I went on an airplane? About an hour because he knew how scared I was in case I walk off because I couldn't do it. <laughs> he waited for me for an hour because that's how much scared he knew I was. I had to push myself through it, even when I wasn't completely in a, in a space of completely trusting it. I had to move through it anyway. Do I have the other one up there? I do. I had to faith it until I made it. You hear fake it till you make it, that rhymes, but I like faith it till you make it. I've heard that before. I think I heard it from uh, Reverend Ernestine Griffin said that, and I love that. And so when I walked down that aisle, I was terrified. Courage is not doing something without fear. Courage is doing it in the midst of fear. That's what courage is. That's what being brave is, is doing it in the midst of fear. And what happens is now what lives inside of you is the truth. The sin is transmuted into the truth. Does that make sense? So you identify your sabotaging behavior you identify the beliefs that are driving you to in that unhealthy behavior or habit, smoking, compulsive eating, compulsive sex, anything that's blocking you from living your experience, procrastination, all of those types of things. Sometimes I binge watch TV when I don't want to do something. So anything that will stop you from moving forward is a sabotaging behavior. Then you deny the power of those, those beliefs. And if you want to know what they are, think about what you want to do, and then follow the thoughts that come up. Follow what you're saying to yourself. What is your self-talk? And, and then follow that back. And if you not pay attention to your thinking, follow what you're feeling. What are your emotions? And connect those emotions to whatever beliefs. Either your thoughts or your emotions will bring you back to the belief. And then the last, uh, you start affirming it and trusting the truth. Change your behavior. I'm going to just do it together. I'm going to just do it. I know that's not proper English, but I like the I'm going. I'm going to just do it together. I am going to just do it. <laughs> I am ready to let go of sabotaging behavior together. I am ready to let go. Y'all not clapping. Wait, you got to clap with me. I am ready to let go of sabotaging behavior. Thank you. Sometimes when you do something like that, it sticks to you. It sticks in your mind. Does that make sense? Yes. So we're ready to do this together? Yes. And when you do, you'll be the most loving behavior you can do for yourself. Release what you adopted from other people that was wrong. It doesn't fit you, and you don't have to force yourself to fit in somebody else's opinion anymore. And you do not have to stop yourself from living your truth and your highest self anymore. You can choose differently. I am ready to choose differently. Together? I am ready to choose differently. I am the best I can be. Together? I am the best I can be. Right now? Right now? Right now? Right now? Right now. You believe it? Yes. You see it? Yes. You're going to receive it? Yes. And you're going to be it? Yes. All right, that's it. Amen.
listening to this Unity of Farmington Hills podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and uplifted you. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings, but still want to support our spiritual community, visit our giving page at www.unityfh.com donate.